perfectly fine. Fine. Okay, fine. 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 You're listening to Everything is Fine in Southwest Washington, where we recognize that everything is not at all fine, discuss what we can do about it, and empower you to connect with your community. In a rational world, policymakers would listen to the world scientists when they sounded such a huge alarm. But as you all know, and as more and more people are starting to realize, lust for money and profit has corrupted our society at the deepest level. It has corrupted the people with power in our society so that we do not actually live in a rational society. As we've seen so far in 2023, uh, the forests in the north burning and sending smoke for weeks and weeks over half of the country, uh, deadly floods, deadly heat waves, um, things like this are going to continue getting worse just because of basic physics. I implore all humans everywhere of every nationality, race, tribe, religion, political party, to rise up together against this madness of fossil fuel expansionism and again, save what we can still save. So there's really two main ways that our planet interacts energetically with the rest of the universe, sunlight coming in and infrared radiation from the surface and from the atmosphere going out into space. Uh, that's been in balance for a long time, but now, um, there's less infrared ra radiation that can get out, which means that the whole planet has to get to a hotter temperature and emit more of that infrared radiation to come back into balance with the incoming sunlight, which has stayed more or less constant. Um, so that's a new energy balance eventually at a hotter temperature. Right now we are at about 1.3, maybe 1.2 degrees Celsius, depending on exactly how you do the running average above pre-industrial. And this is already a very, very dangerous level as we are learning. Uh, um, you know, you guys probably feel very much along with me that we've entered a terrifying new reality, even at 1.3 degrees Celsius of global heating. We're on track to be permanently above 1.5 degrees uh, in the early 2030s. And I think that's going to be a really scary place for us to be as a species on planet Earth. Even things like, uh, you know, building out renewables, all this talk about jobs, right? Which so it's a politically easy thing to talk about, building out solar, building out wind, which is good, but so far it hasn't even been keeping up with the growth in energy. So we're, you know, globally speaking, we're still uh, increasing our use of fossil fuels faster than ever before. Um, so uh, it's not like cleaning up a park. You can't just, you know, with a park, you can go and pick up the plastic in the garbage and bring it back to uh, a beautiful, pristine state. That carbon dioxide stays in the atmosphere for hundreds or even thousands of years, uh, which means that the heating and all the impact from the heating will last for hundreds of thousands of years. Uh, ice melts for ice sheets to reform. That could take tens of thousands of years or longer. So that's the time scale for uh, basically sea level rise. So um, in my opinion, probably much of the world's coastal cities, uh, low-lying areas, probably uh, we've already 
past a point of no return for a lot of them. And then the final time scale for irreversibility is the uh, mass extinction that we are in the early stages of, uh, which will cause degraded biodiversity on planet Earth for up to 10 million years. So that is the time scale in the fossil record from the previous mass extinctions that Earth has experienced in its 4.5 billion year history for the dip in biodiversity uh, loss to recover fully. And I don't see really any way around uh, heat waves that are capable of killing a million people or more now at this point. As long as we keep emitting fossil fuels, the planet will get even hotter and hotter and hotter uh, until we start getting heat waves that could potentially kill 10 million people or even more. Um, we're heading towards uh, multiple simultaneous crop failures, which will lead to global food shortages and price spikes, which will increase world hunger. Uh, we're heading towards huge numbers of immigrants fleeing deadly hot tropics and trying to find, uh, well, dying on the way a lot of them and trying to find refuge in other places uh, in the global north, which has caused this problem. Uh, we risk global rise of authoritarianism. Uh, we risk nuclear war due to, for example, water shortages in parts of the world uh, where the uh, nations are not necessarily friendly toward each other and do have nuclear weapons. Uh, this is a complex, complex uh, interconnected system of systems that we live in, that we call this civilization. Um, and every little bit of fossil fuel we burn pushes the planet towards a hotter temperature, right? Which pushes a little bit more on these complex global systems, pushes on our water systems with drought and flooding, pushes on food systems and infrastructure systems and uh, trade systems and insurance and economic systems, um, geopolitical systems. Um, pretty much everything that we depend on, uh, 8 billion of us depend on, on spaceship Earth to live. Uh, global heating is, is pushing harder and harder, a little bit harder every day until inevitably these systems will start to fail, uh, probably in very unpredictable ways, possibly earlier than any of us expect. Um, I think there's a general sense, maybe even among a lot of climate scientists, that we might be in some sense in some kind of a new scarier normal, um, but instead it's a trend that just gets hotter and hotter so long as we keep burning these fossil fuels. One, two, three. <laughs> for when the world gets too depressing, mm -hmm. Hell's Lager, reach for a buoy. Hell's Lager, yeah. <laughs> when the world is going to hell. <laughs> you just can't face it anymore. <laughs> and you've locked your gun away. Reach for Hell's Lager instead. I thought we should start because this episode is going to be talking about local climate deniers Hell and yes. delayers as far as individuals and government, like government bodies as a whole. We're basically focusing on the city and the county right? because we suck and should be following what's going on in like Camus and the center and all that other shit. 
But hey, we only have so much time to research. So. Yeah. <laughs> and the county kind of covers all of that. To theoretically, yes. I would like to know what's going on in the local. Like, I came out of Kamaswashugal. I don't know what the fuck is going on there anymore. Um, it's probably not great just based off of what's happening everywhere else. But, you know, I'm going to guess a lot of building industry folks. I'm going to guess a lot of bullshit. <laughs> yeah, like, let me guess. Yeah. If anybody wants to come on and talk about any of those specific areas you are certainly welcome Seriously, um, if if you know like camas washugo battleground the center any of the low like ridgefield the local ridgefield the local towns we just don't have the capacity to really cover very well like we are concerned with southwest washington this is not a vancouver podcast or even a you know i, I guess it is a clark county podcast but it's not ju- we just don't want the focus to just be on these specified places and it's something that's been kind of frustrating us for a while yeah absolutely so if you have that expertise like reach out we will be glad to bring you on like it's a very low bar for you know (laughs) for coming for coming on like (laughs) most of that is just saying yes yeah local government what's going on are they acting in a what well what do they have they openly said they believe as far as climate change um how are they behaving? Are they behaving in a way that they understand that this is a fucking emergency? Um, so those are kind of the questions we're going to be analyzing today. But um, since we <laughs> talked, when did we talk, Philip? Uh, I mean, the, the, the last episode came out, what, what uh, like a week and a half ago? Yeah, it hasn't been too terribly long, although it kind of feels like it. So... Um, at the end, so this was before our conversation, at the end of the first episode, uh, we did a little dedication. I tacked it on at the end mm-hmm. to the people of Lahaina, Maui, yeah. because that news came out the fucking day after we recorded it, I'm yeah. pretty sure. Yeah, something and like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so anyways, I just thought it would be, it is kind of important at least to just cover briefly like what has happened in the like two weeks since we already had this podcast episode about like all the horrible climate disasters the data like all that stuff so there the, there's the Lahaina thing mm-hmm. Hurricane Hillary like just hit California I guess I, I honestly didn't follow that today I saw some videos when it hit Baja California yeah I'm not the most well-versed in the hurricane either but yeah, I mean, like shit, like it is not normal for a hurricane to hit California. Yeah, La Haina was horrifying. Um, there was also just recently all the shit going on in Spokane. I mean, we're we're sitting here a day after we had smoky air all over the place, right? And yeah, yesterday's air was unhealthy and just clogged with wire fire smoke, which is getting to be a oh yeah seasonal ah you just don't go outdoors. Oh, fuck. Oh, my God. There's so much. The fires in the Arctic part of Canada. Yeah. All those people had to evacuate. Um, I think there was another town. Oh, God. Um, Well, I mean, just glancing over news articles, it does seem like the entirety of Canada is on fire right now. Yeah, like it already was on fire. Then it's like, hey, also the the you know more what? cold part is yeah. also on fire. Sure. Na- is course. now also on fire. Because, uh, Yeah. Why not? You know what? They just yeah. needed to be a little warmer up there. That's cold. 
Yeah, yeah and those nice videos. Wildfire. Yeah, and those videos are fucking horrifying. I don't know if you saw those, but it's fucking insane. There was a weird video where it was like someone was like basically like the fire is like just across the water and it's like you can see the fucking flames and all these people are just standing there watching it. Maybe they're stranded there, I don't know, but the video um the person's like panning around, they're at like a a park, just everybody watching this and there's like a kid swinging on the playset, like off to the yeah. side, like everybody's Jesus. still just Fuck. like business as usual. Business so, as usual. You know, like, <laughs> Capitalism must roll on. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Like they could have been honestly stranded there and someone's like trying to document what's going on, but it yeah. seemed like everybody was like kind of chill. As long um, as it's not where they are at that yeah. exact moment, then it's probably fine. Yeah. Everything's probably fine. <laughs> Go, probably yeah no I, I like but i just i keep seeing these news articles about how many thousands of people are just evacuating poised to evacuate like fucking hawaii fucking canada fucking washington is on fire like how we're in the like kind of this little area right now which hasn't really been touched that badly yet although it hasn't you know previous years but god damn like we've still got another you know month plus before the weather is going to turn and even then so you're saying month i'm, I'm plus. saying when we get october into october right. i start but, breathing a little easier <laughs> but that doesn't mean it's going to be cool at all yeah but remember sitting here waiting for don steinke to arrive for an interview and i swear to god that was fucking october was that october and he's like i just evacuated my home and that was last year. Oh, and it was like, fuck. yeah, I and it was still my, hot. I had mentally clocked that as like September or something, like because that's usually when the heat peaks its peak. So I did was fuck. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah. Like, oh my god, I think yeah. I had maybe mentally edited that out yeah. just to have a little <laughs> yeah, shred of like hope, not normal, not which, normal. Which is <laughs> yeah, no, you have to, you have to fucking like figure out some way to to deal with it because I really would like. Oh God, I really don't want to have to worry about everything burning down and to, you know, for, for even longer now. Like, yeah. If, if fuck. Okay. So there's still additional like multiple months that everything could burn down here. We can all just catch fire at any time. Yeah. I mean, I think given the, given the data we discussed the uh, last episode and also what i've been reading is that like the like the sea surface temperatures like the oceans warm first and then that there's a delay and that translates later to land temperatures so i don't know what the fuck's gonna happen Um, what what happened to starting us off light this is heavier than our last episode (laughs) i'm sorry dude and we can skip this but i thought about actually sharing a little bit about my experience in spokane Absolutely. Um, just to give people a taste of what the fuck could happen if this was if this was happening to you, like and it will um, sooner or later. Yeah, I mean, so, yeah, something's fucking gonna happen. We're not like we're not a miracle little spot on the globe. Um, so yeah, so I went with my husband. Uh, what was it? Was it fucking Friday? Yeah. No, we left on Thursday. Last Thursday, uh, to go to Rosalia, which is a town, a rural town outside of Spokane, 
Um, we were not there for a full 24 hours before we fled. Um, so yeah, when we first showed up, like I knew there was a red flag warning, I believe is what they call it. Um, the wind was like whipping everywhere. There's like wheat fields everywhere. Um, and yeah, it was hot. And, uh, so we stayed the night. The next morning we had to go into Spokane, um, to visit my husband's grandma. Yeah. So we visit her. Then we were going to go off to the store. Then we were to take his mom back into town with his grandma because they're going to a uh elvis presley impersonator show at a <laughs> retirement community i believe <laughs> a senior center yeah wow. <laughs> they're gonna have a luau and a fucking whatever all right so we had this plan and so yeah we go to this um like book video store and word comes in lt's sister is like, oh my God, all of my, she, she works um, in Airway Heights. Uh, all of her friends are in Medical Lake near there and that's where the fire started. Mm-hmm. That was the big fire. I think it's called the Gray Fire. And yeah, she was like, oh shit. And um, we had already noticed that there was smoke uh, outside of the store that we were in. And then, I don't know, everything just happened like super quickly so next thing we knew, we were like getting his mom. We were we were traveling back uh, into the the city of Spokane, um, and my husband's sister pulled off to the side of the road because um, we were following her. And she's like, pulls in this parking lot. She's like, "Hey, I think we just need to go back home to Rosalia. Spokane County is evacuating. Medical Lake just got bigger. It's about three thousand acres. It just jumped the I ninety freeway." And she looked scared to me. (laughs) And, um, yeah. And so, and I heard something about Spangle, too. And so, anyway, so we we switched plans. We're like, okay, Spokane is is evacuating. Spokane County is evacuating. Um, This fire's getting bigger hella quick. Um, And so we're, we're, we're going back to Rosalia. And then, so, as we... Yeah, as we were driving back, um, I was like f- desperately looking up uh, like what's going on, who's evacuating where, what fires are where. And um, when she had said Spangle, it was like she seemed scared like that was nearby Rosalia. Like, mm-hmm. And um, anyways, we ended up passing that fire and it was super fucking horrifying. LT likes to... I, d- I don't know. I think LT was scared, too. He didn't want to leave his family, though, because we haven't seen them in, like, a fucking year. So he was kind of being resistant to the idea of leaving. But it was, like, we're we're driving back to Rosalia and, like, off in the, like, very short distance, honestly. Like, I didn't see actual flames. I will say that. But it looked like a fucking mushroom cloud. Like, I've never seen smoke so heavy that it's just, like, it, like, looked like it was still... Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Have you seen that? Have you been that close to I'm like not been that close? And it was like dark gray smoke. Like it wasn't dispersing. It was just like and just like right fucking there. And that's the closest I've ever been to a fire. It looked fucking terrifying and ominously, fucking ominously. So I see that. And then like off the side of the road are like these parked like oil tankers. You know those black oh ones, like God. the rolling bombs, literally like that go 
past the the down the waterfront past my fucking work all the time i know exactly what they look like there's like eight to ten of them like in a row just like sitting there on railroad tracks as we're like driving past it and i seriously was like i i was like are we gonna fucking die in a fire and so then yeah and then i hear oh cheney's being evacuated that's another town um and that happened to be where his his fucking brother-in-law that's where he lives um and just basically we're just hearing everywhere there were fires and then i was looking up like because it was like spokane county that was evacuating and so i looked up um i was like you know whitman county evacuations because mm-hmm. whitman county is where rosalia is that is where they live um and then it's like oh the winona fire level three go now evacuation like suddenly there's another fucking fire and that was like south so it was like we were north mm-hmm. and then i think spangle was somewhere off to our west on the way coming back south and then fucking Winona the Winona fire is like you know south of Rosalia so it was like almost like everywhere around where we were was like a fucking fire and people were evacuating and the fires were merging and back at their house like the smoke um the there was smoke right outside of there like really bad smoke too it like it was like that still smoke that heavy still looking smoke where it's like just looks like it's kind of frozen in the air um but it it wasn't as dark as the one we had passed it was lighter so i and it seemed like maybe a little further away but it was still like super frightening and there was my daughter and then there's lt's nephews um like chattering with with themselves in the back about mm-hmm. the fire like while me and lt are fucking like just quietly contemplating like what the fuck are we doing and basically when we got back to their house i had to i had to tell his sister like i'm i'm sorry i i think we should go like i'm terrified i'm not waiting for someone to tell us to evacuate and it was really sad because his sister was like well we live here yeah and i'm like yeah you that fucking sucks because it's probably so much harder to you want to wait to be told to evacuate because you got your dog your fucking cats Mm -hmm. your house your everything and um yeah it was super fucking scary like i don't know if i was over exaggerating his sister said i wasn't i i don't know you know like it it seriously was like evacuations were happening everywhere like we would get new news every fucking few minutes and i just felt like we were being enclosed in fucking fires and so that's the closest like kind of scary experience i've had um as far as these ratcheting up like disaster events that are happening. Um, and yeah, we had to, we had to fucking go home um, less than 24 hours there. And also sadly the whole drive back, um, basically the whole drive back, like we're like, Oh yeah, we're going to clear the smoke at some point. There really <laughs> wasn't a point where we cleared the smoke when we got home here in the Pacific Northwest right. here in Vancouver um it was you know even on the gorge it was it was still smoky as fuck and we've just like barely cleared the smoke today right so yeah 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 fuck and her yeah his his sister said like you're probably probably right to go the boys have been sitting in one room with ac where there's the filter 
so that they're not breathing the smoke because they Jesus Christ. Yeah, luckily they didn't have to evacuate, but the smoke the the air quality was so horrible. Yeah. Um that yeah, that's like pretty fucking terrible. So if we would have stayed there and it was still scary because we're like checking up on them too, even though we're leaving, like they are still there and we're going like, you know, having to get updates and shit. And it's just scary. It's fucking terrifying. What a horrible way to go that would be. And these things are happening fucking everywhere. And every I'm sure everybody is uh, familiar, familiar with the everything coming out of Lahaina too with. Absolutely. They just kept, you know. Jesus, I, I, I don't fucking know what to say to that. Neither do I, neither do I anyways. Shitty fucking <laughs> apocalypse. Yeah, it's a shitty, it's a shitty fucking apocalypse. It really but is. But you know what? It's, it's not happening here, and I'm sure our local government officials are just going to be on that shit. They are preparing. They are going to fight this, like, with everything they got for sh- surely, surely, Carissa. Oh, sure, yeah. Surely. Yeah, they understand the, the level the of... Dire <laughs> the dire need. The dire need. This doesn't happen. This, do- this doesn't happen on an individual level. This need- there needs to be a large, coordinated response. To fucking like this needs to be everyone's fucking top priority. Yep, unfortunately. Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> I thought the news was gonna get better. Okay, well, you know what? We have some sprinkles of good news, but there's a lot of fucking work to do. There is a lot of work to do, so we are going to sift through that. But I feel like grounding everybody like remembering before we like get into this shit about what's being done like remember what's on the line right remember what's happening right now remember that we're in emergency in in an emergency because it's even easy for you or i i feel like to just you get caught up in like how you fucking lived your entire life and how all of this is normal yeah my brain edited out the fact that last year's (laughs) events happened in a fucking october When the weather was supposed to be like fucking October, fucking October is like when you go out and fucking trick or treat at the end of the month, and it's like cool. Perhaps it's rainy. Mm-hmm. It's not supposed to be wildfire fucking season. Mm-hmm. Like Jesus Christ, we are not a climate refuge. We're not. Well, I mean, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah, we're gonna talk some shit. But yes. okay. Based on the last o- episode. Uh, I hope that the theme has come through by now that our food supply is credibly threatened as a result of what fossil fueled capitalism is doing to our planet. Yet preparing for this is mostly absent from conversations about climate change that are being had in our community. And of course, as we're going to get into our local officials, um, we're still allowing for new development, especially commercial development on land. We should be growing food on, in my opinion, as our, again, fragile global industrial food system breaks down. We need to answer the question of how we will get food. How are we going to sustain ourselves? So um, on top of this, any new development, it's going to have a carbon footprint. Um, and just I don't think people understand like the idea that we're going to have jobs in the way that we do now. I mean, like, first of all, we need to shut down entire industries, right? Mm-hmm. Pretty much. Um, if we're actually going to take this thing seriously, um, and then all the disaster events are going to 
destroy or collapse our economy or certain parts of it. Like, there's just no way to... I mean, we can pretty much predict that so, that we're going to be economically hit by these things. So just this, I don't know, just this business as usual, like, let's keep bringing commercial development and just keep denying... D- this is just all denialist behavior in my view even if someone wants to wants to say they do believe in climate change or they acknowledge the science or whatever we got to do something about it they're denying what what really needs to be done yeah um to address it yeah. so it's it's become a topic you can like just kind of sorry running child just destroyed my thought process <laughs> sorry <laughs> Prancing child just but it's been it's become <laughs> like it's become this issue that's big enough they finally have to pay attention to it, but that just means giving lip service in certain you know yeah, and we're you know fucking click word what the fuck is the white right term you know like oh the green energy transition, and we're gonna have uh the green economy and the green we're gonna have green jobs for everybody like. Yeah, that's great. That's true to like some degree, but if we're doing it in a extractive ex- ever expanding way that is once again like just green essentially green capitalism, we are still going to destroy our planet. <laughs> and this idea like, oh, we're going to have yeah, we're just going to transition to to clean energy and like what's happening right now? Like renewables are growing. We know that renewables are growing, but our our fossil fuel footprint is not decreasing because we're just actually increasing our energy demands. Yeah, so people are just, I yeah, just stuck in these techno fixes, um, and just handicapped by their growth mindset. That is like the only way they've known how to fucking operate. Yeah, no, I I have seen like fucking speaking of green capitalism. Like I keep thinking about these fucking trucks that i've been i saw quite a lot of like coming back from a job site in oregon um which were like these big green i i think it was waste management trucks um but they're like they've got these like slogans on the side which said think green think clean and then right under that in smaller lettering says we run on clean burning natural gas fucking (laughs) bullshit dude (laughs) i saw two of those trucks on the same like you know just driving from portland back to vancouver well, no and the they are smart about like capture you know they, about being right, aesthetically effective with their fucking marketing and you just you see green stuff and you see like a you know and you're like yeah. oh that then, makes me feel so good yes obviously the corporations are handling it they've got it well in hand they've they're they're gonna save us with their clean natural gas trucks fucking bullshit it's like <laughs> But, you know, then there is also, of course, like, like right now, for example, like with the warehouses, we are, we're continuing to build these commercial buildings and or inviting Amazon to come in and they're promoting, what are they promoting? They're promoting easy, fast consumption, super heavy, like energy use to get like your two day fucking shipping, all this shit. Most of what they sell is like, is it really shit you need? Usually not. Um, but it's shit you want and yeah and it's and they're gonna tell you that you want it and uh but hey hey they have electric trucks so you can feel good about that right 
<laughs> and building those electric trucks have no fossil fuel fucking you know nope. no no co2 emissions none, like none. involved in any of that like it's all it's like it's so ridiculous like i get like transitioning to clean energy for like electric trucks good because we we kind of need some shit shipped everywhere right yeah. like we're not going to stop like food and all those things like hopefully we can do that but if we are still in this expansive extractive mindset this like ever-growing capitalistic mindset then there's no progress is going to be made. We need to reduce consumption. We need to reduce how many of those unnecessary trucks are even on the road before we talk about like making them electric. You know what I mean? Like we need to reduce everything. We need to reduce our own consumption. So sorry, I don't know if I'm just like belaboring that. I mean, you are, but it's a point that needs to be belabored. Yeah. Because nobody wants to. So, yeah. So. Like reduction is... You know, you don't get you don't get whatever shit you can think of in two days from Amazon. That's that's horrific. That's throwing us back into the dark ages. We are so yeah, we're so like disgustingly uh, like yeah comfortable uh, with just everything like happening at our fingertips or whatever. Yeah, and I don't I don't ex- um, exclude or excuse myself from that either. I got the same impulses of this is the, how the society has programmed us. Yeah, like, this is how it's supposed to be. Things are supposed to get easier for us. We're not going to have to try. We so don't have I'm to, like, not, use our own muscle yeah, energy I'm, to do anything. <laughs> we just have to sit here and push a button, I, and then some shit we wanted I am not shows saying up. this <laughs> from the top of the mountain, claiming I'm growing my own food and just, like, yeah. you know, completely carbon neutral myself, because I, I have, you know... Well, we don't own any land, do we, Philip? Well... Huh? <laughs> no, we don't. As a matter of that, that. might be that might be another problem. <laughs> it's almost like everything comes back to capitalism. Yeah. Okay. It's yes. Weird. Exactly. So, just to sum that up, is that like this belief system is in denial of the science that indicates that our ever expanding extractive economic system, all of which is fueled by carbon emitting emitting fossil gas, is the problem. So any half measures we make, any electric Amazon fucking trucks we do um, operating, continuing to operate inside this destructive system will not get us anywhere, especially at the fucking timeline we're at, at yeah. the scale, the, the level of emergency that we're at. We are on borrowed time. There is not a carbon budget for us. Yeah. Um, not anymore. And yeah, so that that's kind of the problem we're going to be covering here is that government uh including our local government government and certain well-meaning climate advocates seem to be mostly focused on evs and green buildings within this business as usual they're they're still thinking within the confines of the 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 status quo or yeah the 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 commonly accepted wisdom the way things should work we're just going to have this clean energy transition right and we're still going to do everything the same way and we're just going to have electric uh powered yachts we're going to (laughs) have you know what i mean like we're just going to keep i'm imagining the city council on electric power yachts (laughs) (laughs) yeah we'll see that's that's more uh federal government and uh you know the people that yeah, we're not, those we're officials, not that but, yeah. cynical that we think these people have their own yachts. <laughs> no, yeah. <laughs> Building industry folks, however. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Finally. 
It's time for an honest discussion of what the science is telling us and how does that compare to what our local governments are doing. So, in to preface all this, the Clark County Council, some of you may know, is behaving almost entirely as if climate change doesn't exist. And yes, we will name names on this episode. Not Fine, quite there yet. Very mm-hmm. close, though. Um, but I would also posit that the city of Vancouver as a body is doing the same, even with well-intentioned individuals existing within it. Um, and right. then, don't worry, we plan on making the case for that. Um, so both of these well bodies... intentioned individuals getting trapped inside these frameworks as well. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, so both of these bodies are still playing the growth game. Uh, and this is not just planning for the population growth that we know that is going to happen, but they're actively promoting growth. We're starting. We're not really starting. <laughs> now we're at the fun part. <laughs> we are going to call out the climate deniers. Who do you think our number one person we're going to talk about is, perhaps? <laughs> oh, oh, I'll give you a hint. Clark County Council. Oh, no, no. Although I, it's I, like all of them. but uh, I'm, I'm spacing on his name. Earl Bowerman. Okay, yeah. Be my guess. Yes, Earl Bowerman himself. He is not on the Clark County Council. But he is the husband, if you've listened to any of our previous episodes, he is the husband of the chair of the Clark County Council, Karen Bowerman. Earl Bowerman is an open climate denier. He's openly called it a hoax. Um, He stated in the Forum for Clark County Citizens recently, some people may have seen that, uh, that carbon is plant food. And he informed (laughs) me personally that in case I didn't know, I exhale carbon dioxide. Um, and then we'll, we'll get deeper into this, but I haven't seen Karen Bowerman like straight up say climate change is a hoax, but every indication as problematic as Earl, I'm not Earl, Karen Bowerman is, I don't think she's as dumb as her husband. Yeah. To just say that out loud, but basically everything that she says, I mean, she actually said some stupid ass shit, but, um, but she's never straight up said that that. bars at like the floor though. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I feel entirely comfortable saying that she is also a climate denier, and we will, we will definitely get into to those specifics as to yes, fucking like, why. Having having announced more sense of her than her husband isn't saying a lot. Exactly, exactly. Like she's probably just not saying it because she is the chair of the Clark County Council and she knows how to like play her politics, right? Um, but you know, he's just the chair of the Republican Party, so well, of course he is. <laughs> okay so anyways uh moving on to gary medvicky i think we've said this before that he's kind of a weird republican (laughs) he's a very weird guy it's like you want to believe what comes out of his mouth but he's like he's so weird so he always says that he cares about climate change uh whenever those conversations come up uh, but he behaves very differently. He's very pro-business, pro-development in his sen- sentiments. Um, referring again to a previous episode, uh, we know that he signed the settlement with Pioneer Industrial, paving the way for a Knife River concrete batch plant. Um, he's been pushing for industrial activity on the county-owned Chalachi Prairie rail-, rail Line for years, despite negative impacts it would have on ag lands and just generally our environment. Um, interestingly, he is a vegetarian 
And he said this in the context of talking to climate activists. So I think he was like, I am a vegetarian because I care about climate change or something. So he realizes on some level the effect meat has on... Or does I, he just realize that that's the way some people think and so he's... Playing some cards. Playing some cards. I, I don't exactly know, but he obviously like knew some kind of like he offered like I am a vegetarian. He, he like we weren't even talking some about level of awareness. Yeah. And maybe he thinks he cares about climate change. I don't know, but he doesn't behave that way at all. Um, he has done work to improve Vancouver Lake, which he's like very proud of. It seems like he brings it up all the time. Um, but yeah, he's still clearly in a state of denial because of a growth mindset. Um, so he recently he spoke very welcomingly, welcomingly at the last Clark County work session about the climate amendment to the GMA, which is the Growth Management Act, um, which is the state law. In mm. case once again, this is like if people haven't heard previous episodes, the Growth Management Management Act is a state law that is has many factors on how to address population growth. And a lot of it has good environmental implications, I guess. Yeah. Like reducing sprawl and all that shit. Um, and we've just added through the state a a, cli- a specific climate amendment. There's already an environmental piece to the Growth Management Act, but there's also yeah. a climate amendment. So anyways, they just had a work session on that. T, along with Karen Bowerman and Michelle Belcott, chose, and this is going to be the subject of another episode, another related episode, but... Suffice it to say, he chose, along with a majority of the county council recently, to remain out of compliance with state law on another environmental issue. Um, I will just say that's related to the Eric Temple Railroad story. So, anyways, <laughs> that we will be He's covering coming that. Back. Yes. <laughs> return of, return of Temple. Eric Temple, dude. Yeah, we, you know, he was really quiet for a long time, but yeah, he's, he's, he's making a comeback. He's got it. As he's he gotta, always does. He's got yeah. to. Otherwise, he just kind of like simultaneously, <laughs> just spo- not simultaneously, spontaneously combusts. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's going to be a fun one. Um, but so anyways, in this, that situation, they were basically told, they were told explicitly by staff and their lawyer that remaining out of compliance with state law aka breaking state law um yeah seriously let's just let's they're they're breaking the law yes they're not they're, they're, they don't get to choose which laws they want to ignore <laughs> because they're the goddamn county council yeah actually that's funny because uh karen bowerman has some issues with what you just said <laughs> well you know <laughs> what we might if karen us. bowerman wants to fight me i will fight karen <laughs> bowerman over <laughs> okay yeah anyways in, in at risk of like saving too much gold for a different episode, we're gonna analyze that fucking specifically. Basically, yeah, the county was told very explicitly and very in a very frustrating tone by the staff and their lawyer that look, you're gonna be out of compliance with the state on this issue, and therefore um, you are jeopardizing funding from the state government. And the, and I think the federal government, um, and they even cited that this had happened. The same situation had pre- uh, happened previously, and um, that had actually lost them ten million dollars in funding because of their stance on whatever particular issue that put what them out of in defiance of state bunch law. Bunch of fucking community leaders. 
Yeah, and so <laughs> and so this very issue of climate change was one of those things that was noted as being put in jeopardy. And so Gary Medvegi, Karen Bowerman, Michelle Belcott, they voted um, to remain out of compliance with state law um, and put those funds in jeopardy. So at this point, we don't know if we're getting that funding. We know that that has prevented them before and that they could even be sanctioned. They were told that too. Um, so anyhow, yeah, I guess that's enough on Gary for now. That I'm just doing general, yeah, g- general Gary things about the individual. Occupies this weird space of he's not the worst, but he's damn sure not the best. And you kind of want to like him, but also like, yeah, I think maybe he's just like a better politician. Like in one moment he'll be like he talks out of both sides of his mouth. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas Glenn Young. <laughs> hey, transition. <laughs> Glenn Young just he just says how he feels. So kudos to him for that. Um so I'll start with saying, Philip, you know this. I don't think you're there, but I definitely I'm sure gave you the rundown on all that. He told a Zoom room full of climate activists that we just need to have a kumbaya with the building industry <laughs> and stated, do I believe climate change is real? Yes. Do I believe the science is settled? No. Oh, my God. What does that mean to you? That Philip? means he doesn't know what the fuck science is actually saying. I that mean, means, are level. we causing it or aren't we causing it? I, we don't know. Oh, it just it just happened. It's happening, and it's there's happening. nothing we can do about it, so we just have to like you keep know? doing the same thing until we all just so, thoughts eat and shit and die. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, Hawaii burned down. Thoughts and prayers. Yep. Yeah. I, what are you going to do? You can't do anything. Yeah, yep, yep, fuck. yep. So please someone tell Glenn Young that the science, <laughs> by God, is settled, as, as settled as science gets. Um, yeah, and if anyone, I know people have feelings about Glenn Young, all right? They're, he's, oh, he's progressive on homelessness. That's great. He sucks on climate change. So if people want to come at me on this, he said this to, openly to a room full of climate scientists, or sorry, not scientists, activists. Um, so... Shoot him an email. Give him a phone call. I'm sure he will literally say the same thing to you because he is just so confident in his in his uh, belief system, I guess. Like, I, I don't think he's being shy about it. I think, like, that's what I mean by, you know, he's not like Gary Me- Medvegi saying one thing, doing another. He's like, he's straight up telling you. Yeah, I, but... but- do you think, like, if we grabbed a scientist, a, a short one, and beat him over the head enough <laughs> that he would change his mind? I don't, I don't know. I, he, yeah. Oh, man, dude. Yeah. Like, just a, a compact aerodynamic scientist you could smack him with <laughs> as they're yeah, telling him I the don't science. Know. It would have to, I think he would have to be beat over the head a lot of times okay. before he would listen. I think he needs to be beat over the head a lot of times with anything before he's going to listen to his already decided opinion um, <laughs> as much as he likes to say that you know he that uh, that's another thing i like about him he he's all about public per- participation but um good luck getting to him to actually listen to you if it doesn't actually if it doesn't already right but know. with enough public pressure would he change his mind i think so okay i think so i think he is movable but he is it's begrudging and very annoying right now about it all <laughs> anyways um and we'll, we'll we'll get into that as far as tactics and strategies and and all that too like how can we move these people 
Um, but anyways, um, a few more things on Glenn Young. So at a June 28th Clark County Council work session on the climate amendment to the GMA, he lamented about the war between climate activists and other industries. Oh, maybe it's because most industries make money by pillaging the environment while not paying for that damage to land and people. And their literal goal is to minimize expense and maximize profit, which is why they lobby for deregulation, Glenn. Um, their number one goal is not to provide a needed service for society up to the limits of the need. Their goal is to expand, and they do so by convincing us that they provide a service that we need. Yeah. Right? So, um, like fucking cancer. Yeah. Just so, expand. I, I'm sorry. Inherently, development means destroying land, yep. polluting air, water, yep. taking out forests. Yeah. Um, there's and burning fossil fuels while you're doing it. So there's like, there's literally, you want to talk about like a war between us. It's like, it's, that's just how it is. Yeah. That's that the, their goals to build as much as possible in order to maximize their profit are antithetical to ours. That just, that just is the way that it is. Um, and I, I don't know why he doesn't understand those basic things. Um, I mean, well, I mean, most of the counselors are, effectively dumbasses well yeah and like think about what the building industry and you know that's for another podcast right but like they've as far as like convincing us there's they like have a service to offer that we need or whatever like um what what's the mantra right now like we we need to build 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 yeah and this is going to bring prices down right yeah so and they've like the building people have representation they've got people on the fucking councils they've got I'm sure people talking to the fucking counselors and I'm sure it's all very slick. Yeah. And they're saying we need to, you know, supply and demand. We got to build all this shit and that'll bring prices down. Well, Sue Marshall has brought up before, like we've been doing that for years and look how sky high all of these prices are for rent <laughs> and for fucking housing. And like, just, just think about it like logically, right? Like building these like mansions out in Ridgefield. Yeah. How is that going to bring down, housing costs for like the working class like that's just going to gentrify us out yeah. out of here like yeah it, there's no if we don't have like a, a mechanism in place to like force those prices down and there's no consequences for for jacking these prices up then yeah anyways that's for another goddamn episode that's for several other episodes. <laughs> but um anyways so in this meeting, Glenn goes on to say that we are going to need the building industry's expertise oh, to show fucking, us. Yes. yes. The experts on climate are the building industry, yes. not the fucking scientists. Yes. To show us how to build less impactfully. Wake the fuck up, Glenn. Yeah, that's absolute garbage. So I'm um, sorry. That just that makes me that right there makes me mad. Yeah. Yeah. So he's telling us that we need to compromise with the building industry that are destroying our land, forest, air, everything I just said, left and right. Um, so, yeah, it's a fucking outrage. It demonstrates his absolute ignorance of the climate science and what danger we are all in. Um, and then this is the interesting one. So on the same token, he invoked climate change to justify his vote for a higher population projection. This one is really rich. Uh, this actually was the exact population increase the BIA asked for uh, yeah. for the comp plan. This was a couple months ago, I believe, uh, when all that shit went down. Um, 
Yeah, which coincidentally serves his developer buddies. Yeah, I was just Glenn about to Young say, is it, is if a you developer. have a higher projection for population, then that makes it easier for them to say, well, we need a fuck ton more buildings. Yes, yeah, you which can expand your urban growth boundary. Which off of. Exactly. Fuck. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, Glenn will swear that he has an honest reason for doing so. I don't know. Like, he doesn't seem like a liar to me. I just think he is just... The way that he is, he's oblivious to a lot of the stuff. He honestly thinks like the building, I mean, that's what he was saying. He was saying that the building industry were the, actually the experts. He, he responded to me in e- an email about this. He said he thinks the building industry are the experts in population projections. And that's why he considered the building industries, um, yeah, uh, their opinion. And, uh, and I'm like, okay, that's a weird response, but I guess because they might be like good at planning for what their future building might be or whatever, but they lobby for that shit too. Like they're, they're, they're trying to make it go a certain way. They're trying to make it go up, obviously. Yep. But yeah, and then on top of it, oh, we should also listen to the experts in the building industry on climate change. Like, okay, so we're listening to experts here, but, but so the building industries are just experts on everything, basically, according <laughs> to Glenn Young. So they're going to tell us how to build less in- impactfully. The scientists are not going to tell us how to build less impactfully or tell us not to build at all when we don't have to. Actually, fucking hot take. Um, maybe we shouldn't just keep building shit. Yeah. So will Glenn Young listen to the experts on climate change, the expert, the climate scientists on climate change and understand that we can't compromise with physics, that the building industry can't compromise with physics, that the Clark County Council cannot compromise with physics. That would be my challenge to Glenn Young. So anyways, moving on. This is kind of a short one because we don't have a whole lot, but uh, we've got Michelle Belcott. Everyone remembers. Do you remember oh, Michelle Belcott, Philip? Yes. Who did she campaign alongside? She campaigned alongside of. Well, gee, let me think. I'm pretty sure it was Joe Kent. Mm-hmm. And Joe Kent is an open climate denier. To this day, he openly denies climate change. Fuck. Um. So, anyways, yeah, Michelle Belcott put two and two together. She's a climate. She's I I feel comfortable calling her a fucking climate denier. She the only thing recently I found is, you know, she's pro industrial activity on the Chalachi rail line. She thinks that it will be environmentally positive. Industrial activity. Yep. Yep. How do you get there? Because we're gonna bring jobs to this side of the river. But what does that have to do with Uh we're gonna reduce vehicle miles traveled? Whatever the fuck. No, Anyways, we're not. We, you, you could you could legitimately at the do same some time cool. that she's like a third bridger and she, which we're gonna get to that too. <laughs> okay, goddamn it. Okay. Anyways, moving on. Sue Marshall. Sue Marshall is a great advocate for the environment. Hell yeah, we got one. We interviewed Sue Marshall. She has all kinds of credentials. She used to be the president of Friends of Clark County. My favorite group around here, actually, environmental group. They regularly sue the county for the stupid bullshit that they do. (laughs) Um, Yeah, and she's an advocate for protecting the rural areas of her district in the the capacity that she can on the council. One of her recent endeavors that I appreciated as someone who is, again, seriously worried about our food system breaking down. Um, She has successfully 
convinced other counselors to establish an agricultural advisory committee. Um, so it is just in the beginning stages as far as I know. But um, And who knows if their recommendations will impact the counselors' decisions over the other committees right. that are loaded with special interests, right? right? Um, I do have one gripe about Sue Marshall, which I think I alluded to you about, Philip, but we'll get to that in a second. Okay. <laughs> I do have a disagreement. Um, but so aside from individuals looking at what the county is doing as a whole on climate, we do know that they are supposed to comply, like we've already referenced, with the new state climate amendment to the GMA. Um, but these guys, like like we also alluded to, they do not give a fuck about what about going against state law or whatever projects are already moving forward. They they will derail whatever the fuck they want. Um, so recently, August 2nd, there was a Clark County Council work session on the transportation system plan where the presenters noted multimodal infrastructure and climate change. At this meeting, Medvigy pushed for a third bridge to reduce congestion, not to reduce cars, to reduce congestion. Mm. Um, when we know, some listeners may know, Cycle Vancouver certainly knows that this is what is called induced demand. If you add more lanes, more bridges, you increase cars on the road and congestion. Yeah, um, and we got enough of cars on the road. Yeah, and Karen Bowerman's statements were hilarious, as many of them are. Someone summed them up as <laughs> her commentary is, just because the feds, the state, and our own comp plan is moving away from cars doesn't make it right. <laughs> <laughs> wow, <laughs> Which, the, the lone teller of truth. And that is essentially like what she said. Yeah, so, um, yeah, and she stated that there was no proof that people would move away from the car from the car, if the infrastructure for alternative modes of travel was built, this is the funniest one. This is a quote. Five, 10, 15 years from now, it will only get worse. You know, that sounds like the beginning of saying, if we don't address climate change. It does. <laughs> I, like, it? I had to like kind of pause there and process that because that actually. You're like, ooh, is she about to say something? <laughs> She's talking about congestion, isn't she? No, she, she's saying it will only. Five, 10, 15 years from now, it will only get worse if what? we pretend that we don't need the car. Oh. Because that's what we're using right now. What the fuck? I'm pretty sure five, 10, 15 years ago, I will not be regretting pretending we don't need the car or whatever the fuck. <laughs> I think like, that's the, the last thing The only form of transportation be. that has ever existed for humanity. Yeah. That's the, the only way. Yeah. It's the only way, according to Karen Bowerman. Oh, my God. Um, yeah. So anyway, it's just like a general note on that. Like, it's really amazing to me how these people just really like wing it with their beliefs and statements. Like Karen Bowerman could look up like there are <laughs> there are things that cities have tried. They, yeah. they have done um, trial and error. They've already done that. We have the research. We have the evidence to show that, like, yes, if you build multimodal infrastructure, and you have you have buses, you reduce car mm -hmm. lanes, mm -hmm. you are going to, and you make it safe for people to use those other modes, you are going to reduce car travel. So yep. she just, like, it's amazing. I honestly think it might be, like, a generational thing where, like, people, They're I feel like millennials yes! and Zoomers, like, we'll, like, we're, we have a question and we're like, oh, let me research the answer to that question. Let me analyze all sides of it. Let me, you know, dive deep into this see what data we have. You know what I mean? I feel like we do that. And yeah. 
all these pre-internet people, they just like, they had a question and then they just like came up with an answer in their own mind. Cause they like, didn't have, they couldn't, they didn't have the book or they, whatever, you know what I mean? Yeah. And so like, they still just do that. They're just like a third bridge will reduce congestion. We need a third bridge. Oh, we need like, <laughs> you yeah. Know Cause I mean? it, like, it makes sense to like the very simplistic view of things they've got in their head of, Oh, of course a third bridge means more room for people to go means less congestion. Yeah. Yeah, they just cut. Yeah, they just come up with their own conclusions, and then they just then believe that's, them because that's right. what they're used to doing. Oh, absolutely. The the yeah, the building industry is telling us this. It must that's be true. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, and they have their influences too. Exactly. It's yeah, just fucking so, crazy. So biases, influences. It's almost like we need younger people on the fucking local government. Mm-hmm. Um, I wish people would like. I wish there were like people on the left going as fucking rogue as the as these crazy right wingers are. Seriously, like the third bridge. That's the other thing about the third bridge. Like, isn't the I five crossing like already happening? And we're already doing light rail. And after like ten years, Washington, Oregon have already decided. But they yeah. are literally like in this in this meeting talking about like. We need to have a we we need to do more research and have a consultant yeah. and like do all this side shit to yeah. to relitigate the third bridge thing that they actually well, aren't even in charge of. Like yeah. it's crazy. <laughs> well, of course they are. Yeah. They get to choose like what laws they do and do not pay attention to, and of, they're in charge of the bridges and they're the power. <laughs> they are the county council. Yeah, they do they're whatever just, the they, fuck they, they want, decree. dude. From high on Mount County Council, there you can't tell them what to do. You can't fucking tell them what to do. <laughs> Sir, we do we do need leftists to just go rogue to that degree. Yeah. So, anyways, uh, yeah. So, Glenn, Michelle, Karen, <laughs> and who's the other Medvigi? All Medvigy, of them. Third yep. Bridgers. I didn't even know that. Oh but God! Just learned that today. So, I mean, it makes sense. It tracks. They're all like the only. So. The age thing is not universal. Obviously, Sue Marshall's an exception to that rule. Obviously. And Bernie Sanders. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Goddamn, what's her name? Um, I know some wh- cool-ass old people. Just saying. Yeah, no, I was, but I was, I was actually <laughs> going in the opposite direction of... Um, God, what is Young people that suck? Michelle? Michelle! She, I, I, I spaced on her name, but Michelle Belcott is actually... Like, you can be younger and be crazy, or you can be older and really cool. But by and large, we've got these, like, generational biases that are just kind of choking the arteries of actual progress. Yeah. There is so many, like, things we could do if you're willing to imagine it and actually make, like, everybody... Everybody! My fucking, you know, right-wing fucking ex-co-workers knew that like you know what we need maybe need more forms of transport like if they had good bus transportation more people would be taking the bus if they had safe bike lanes everybody would be you know more people would be riding bikes yeah it's not that difficult to understand and it's not even it's not just a climate issue do something with the train that's not heavy industry like refocus things for walkability god damn it there's so many cool things we could be doing we're beyond crisis and independent apocalypse yeah i think yeah (laughs) crisis is so 2019 i know yeah yeah it's like it was like dude that is weird like the evolution too it's like it's like climate you know global warming climate change the climate crisis Climate emergency? Well, I mean, climate, like, climate, climate apocalypse. Climate change came about to make global warming sound less alarming. 
Like yeah, we're just changing. Yeah, it's we're not. Just, it's an alteration. I'm just changing. Just a gradual little thing. Nothing yeah. to worry about. Everything changes. We're not actually Are getting you, hotter. You don't want to embrace change. Seasons. Seasons change. <laughs> You don't hate the seasons, do you? <laughs> Dude, yeah, that, that's like everybody with all these fires. I remember they're like, shut the fuck up. It's August. It's summer. It's summer. Duh. <laughs> this always happens. It's like, Dude, I didn't see a pink sun until I was 13 and in Montana. Like, are you fucking kidding me? You're telling me this is normal every goddamn year this is happening. Yeah. Shut the fuck up. You don't have to be a climate scientist. And we That's the thing you don't have to be. You you can be some dumbass with no education on the topic like I am and still see the pattern. And the pattern is fucking alarming. That's why old people that have lived here for a long time too, like probably Karen Bowerman. Well, I don't know if she's lived here for a long time, but you know, a lot of a lot of people it's like you know, like the like you've lived here and experienced what the climate should be. Yeah. Um, for so long that you should definitely know that it's getting weird. Well, I mean, that just speaks to our capability as a species to just kind of adjust to things um, and like ed- edit it to in our, our heads. Like, yeah. this is how it is. This is therefore how it always must have been. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I find that in the older generations, there is a streak of conservatism, not in the political sense, but in the sense that like, you just you you don't want to go too far too fast. You want to like sort of take reasonable steps in the direction, rather than this full on bolt we need. Exactly, to, we're to completely towards change. Like, yeah, it's like almost we're genetically or whatever resistant to like what it is we actually need to yeah. do in order to solve this thing. It's like it's and that's it, what we we're talking about earlier. Like how we're even us who are alarmed. Like we're kind of. There are times when we're just lulled into... Well, it's kind of almost a survival mechanism. It's a, like, yeah. you, you don't... You, if this overwhelms you, like, and you're paralyzed, what, like, you, you just... We, we shy away from that. We want to be comfortable. Yeah, and the smoke is cleared for a day. And, the and sm- we can just well, imagine that... And then we can imagine things getting better. Like, we're, we're you know, things are, things are bad, but maybe they don't need to be addressed right this second, right this moment, right this year, right this month, whatever whatever um maybe we can just put it off another day another week um everything's gonna be fucking fine yeah we need to imagine that things can be better but we have to actually do something about it (laughs) yeah and again (laughs) i i I see these patterns in myself as well this is not to let this is not to say all young people are you know where we need to be either yeah we all but a step in the right like step number one the first fucking step is to actually recognize this is the severity of the problem and that's the the problem is when the fucking local governments are completely willfully blind and remain so and continue to remain so and just no matter how much the evidence piles on in their own communities they're just like you know well the building industry says it's fine well so anyway so that so we're done with the county there so on to the city council members. We have six council members and the mayor. They signed on to the city of Vancouver climate action framework. What was it like last year ish? Um, their names are listed in the intro of the climate action framework, which the whole thing is about climate. They've stated that they prioritize climate as a body. Um, the climate action framework uh, 
has a very ambitious goal of mm-hmm. 80% emissions reductions in the city by 2040. Um, so there's a lot of great stuff in this framework. Um, but listeners can go back and listen to our interview with Rebecca Small for more details on even that. Even before we that, already, we had a, an episode on it. What's that? Uh, even before the interview with Rebecca Small, we had an entire episode. Exactly. Believe, yeah. So to there's. This topic. Yeah. If you want to dive into like what's actually in the climate action framework without having to look it up and read it yourself, yeah, two uh, definitely go back to our episodes on that. Yeah, they were covered pretty darn well. But yeah, so looking at individuals now with a city. Um, notable climate champions on the council. Perhaps we should start with Kim Harless, <laughs> yeah. actual friend of the show. Actual, honest, whether she wants to be or not, she is considered an actual friend of the show. Um, uh, whether she would like to affiliate with us or not, she is the, uh, we, we have an incredible amount of respect for her and what she's done and doing. And yeah, she's a scientist, is that right? She, yeah, she had, she had actual schooling in some hard sciences. So, like, according to Kim Harless herself when she was running in uh, 2021, and I was a part of that campaign, as uh, I have mentioned before, because I'm still very, very proud of uh, what I did, what, you know, she did, what everyone on that team did, because they were all some of the most amazing people I've ever met. Um, But, like, one of her her little, uh, you know, speeches she put out on Facebook, she said at, at... one point, you know, at the time I was working three jobs and going to college for a science degree. And that's a hard science degree. That's taking genetics, physics, biology, biogeochemistry, and then also doing the lab work too. That was one of those jobs. I worked in a lab doing butterfly conservation. I also worked for the county as an intern in sustainability. And then I worked as an interim volunteer program coordinator for the watershed stewards program just before it was cut. Now, Kim doesn't like to tout her quote-unquote experience because she believes in, you know, lived experience. She believes in, you know, who she is as a person should be able to trump who what she's putting on her resume. Um, but she did, like, work for the county for, like, a decade, and she does have a science, like, a hard science degree of some, some nature. Like, she knows her shit, um... So, like, I, I trust her implicitly to know, to not, like, <laughs> go, oh, the building industry has all the answers. Um, and, yeah, and, uh, like, that I really do, it's like, I'm, you know, I'm against elitism as much as the next guy, like, you know, talking down to people and thinking you know everything or whatever, like, right. lived experience matters. But, like, when it comes to science and when it comes to climate change, like, the more I'm realizing, like, like I was already, con- I was already concerned about climate change. But the more that you like actually fucking learn mm-hmm. about it, it becomes more real, and you realize that you live yeah. in this world that has rules. There yeah. are laws of physics. Right. There are, th- you know, like there are things that you just have to abide by, and then you realize we are living completely as if we're outside of these rules, yeah. <laughs> and, it, and it's crazy. <laughs> and so you need people. Not everybody has that science background, and I think it's it's very vital and very important. Like we need, yeah. we have, we always have business people. We have lawyers and oh, shit in so government. We fucking need fucking scientists, yeah, that are in charge. Mm-hmm. Um, or not all scientists. I'm not saying, but you know, like we enough. need those people. We need people who know what they're talking about, and we need people with the fire to get shit done. Um, or fucking people that at least believe the scientists. Yeah, at mm-hmm. least. Yeah, Except people who can the do consensus. The, the base 
level of research because it's not like you had to dig through hidden archives to find all the science we had on our last episode the scientists are screaming it at us yeah yeah and they're prepping like i said (laughs) they're fucking prepping dude uh Uh, so yeah i I don't want to i don't want to speak though for you know for kim harless or what her her actual qualifications or experiences are but that's just something i like we had the sense all throughout the campaign that she, she was very trustworthy as far as like the climate. Um, so yeah. So fearlessly, fearlessly. Uh, I mean, it shouldn't be fearless to just acknowledge reality, but like there are people that I know that didn't take the sunrise movement endorsement. Um, and there are people like Glenn Young. I think I actually forgot to mention this, that goes around telling everybody that climate change is a, are trigger words. Um, Jesus. According to the people he hangs out with, apparently. But yeah, there are people that like, and and that's the problem. If you don't, if you play this political game of like, oh, I can't say this or can't say that, like you're not setting the agenda in any way. You're not moving the Overton window. If you're playing someone else's game of, I don't know, at least that's just my, I mean, I do believe that campaigning and communicating in a certain way and being tactful about that is good, but to just completely deny science and like pretend you're not trying to do like make change in an Mm -hmm. area that you are trying to it's like what the fuck are you even running for if you're not gonna like run boldly um on that kim not just experience not just campaigning and rhetoric and stuff recently she did um speak to the frustration of the local environmental movement uh in a recent council meeting um, about the non-implementation of the CAF, that's short for Climate Action Framework, mm-hmm. um, of the green building policy, which keeps allowing for shitty things like warehouses and other development projects that are in direct contradiction to climate goals um, to sneak through at a shockingly rapid pace. We've discussed this before, the warehouses that are popping up all around town. Um, so at a council meeting on July 17th, she emphasized multiple times that we're in a climate emergency and asked how this process can be expedited um, and that was her listening to the movement, mm-hmm. I believe, as well as her own concerns. But, um, you yeah. know, she she hears people. She answers to um, the local movement. Um, so staff's answer on that was that they have to be careful to do it right. But they're taking the timeline seriously for whatever that's worth. I mean, that's what um, that was their response to her. So we d- I guess we're just hoping that they're <laughs> they're doing it the right way or whatever. I don't know. Another person on the council, Bart Hansen. We mentioned this in uh, Leah Perkle's oh, yeah. interview. Um, he is the current, current, <laughs> the executive director of the Building Industry Association of Clark County um, as he also sits on the county that council. feels like it would be a massive conflict of interest. It is. It literally is. But Philip, he is the expert on how to build things around here. <laughs> so we have to. <laughs> so we have to listen to him. All right. So anyway, I, I, I don't know much about the guy. I don't trust that he actually supports any true climate solutions. He is on part. He's part of the council that has this prioritization of climate. Yeah. He's part he's he's signed on to the climate action framework yeah i i can't speak to his motivations either he might be well-intentioned but i do think like the business he is in is going to just absolutely color flag 
sorry, dude, don't trust you. Also, I couldn't find much on Diana Perez regarding climate. So sorry, Diana Perez, if I fucking miss something. Uh, Next person. There's there's honestly a couple people I was like, I don't even fucking know on those. So we're skipping them. But I'm just like the the notable people. So Sarah Fox, I want to focus more with the city on like what they as a body are doing um, because they at least have like put forth this massive progressive framework yeah, they at least. Are, they are miles ahead of the county. Yeah, so... Um, but that might not be... That still might be miles and miles behind where they need to be. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So Sarah Fox is another council member uh, being challenged by Leah Perkle. Uh, she did develop as part of her state job, I believe, a guidebook for implementing the Climate Amendment to the Growth Management Act. Um. So she might be possibly okay on that single issue. I know that she votes conservatively on many other things, including rejecting the third um, safe state community. So anyways, might not be terrible on climate. I don't know. Uh, seems like a business-friendly gal, so yeah. I don't know. I mean, I've I've heard some things from people who've spoken to her that like she will seem like she's listening to you, but like she doesn't really... Like Glenn Young? No, No, the the second Glenn Young on the. We we, we rank city council members by how Glenn Youngy they are. Yeah, one to five Glenn (laughs) Youngs. One to five on a scale of one to five Glenn Youngs. (laughs) Like lukewarm Glenn. Like, yeah. Lukewarm Glenn. One is you are a lukewarm Glenn. Five is you actually are Glenn Young. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Glenn. I I seriously think if if Kim Harless had lost to John Blom, then Glenn Young could have just sat in on the city council and no. Nobody would have known the difference. Nobody would have known. They they do kind of have a resemblance. (laughs) Just swap them out. (laughs) Dude, their (laughs) politics seem like very similar to. Oh my god, I'm sorry, Glenn Young. Holy shit. Okay, anyway. (laughs) We're we're not sorry. We're just patrioting this. Yeah, sorry, not sorry. Yeah, we're behind that wall. All right. Anyways, Ty Stover. Ty Stover. He is another good climate advocate. I think I've seen him say some nice stuff recently at a council meeting um, involving a discussion of the youth climate program that would be launched in fall of 2024. He made a point to emphasize that so much of climate, so much of our climate goals that will need to be accomplished will need to be accomplished with the city's comprehensive plan update, which will be mostly finished by that time, by that fall of 2024 launch um, so he was urging that somehow there be more involvement by the youth in that this process. So okay. I don't know where that's going, but it seemed like he was like very adamant and urgent about that and understanding that like this comprehensive plan um, that the cities and the county are doing are like everything Yeah. regarding what we can do I about mean, climate locally. Sunrise Southwest Washington did support like Ty's, one of Ty's reelection campaigns at one point in time. Um, but I don't, I don't know enough to really have any firm feelings about the guy, quite honestly. So now we're moving on to like, what is the city of Vancouver as a whole, as a body doing? Um, so Stacy Dalgard, who was hired a few months ago, I think to assist Rebecca Small with the climate action framework. Um, she shared with me a presentation of what is called the city's early action package of which that youth climate program is a part and so there's there's a few actions that have been completed and a lot that have made significant progress. So I'm just going to try to barrel through these first big steps. 
waste and wastewater and solid waste. Um, they're planning a new wastewater treatment facility. So that's something that's in progress right now. Changing from a waste to a resource mindset. I did talk to someone. That, what I have in front of me is just a PDF. There was a more thorough presentation that happened. Um, we're hoping to have Stacy Dalgard or Rebecca Small on the podcast to like explain this stuff more and ask questions. But um, the wastewater treatment facility, as far as I understand, is that like they burn, they they incinerate waste, and this new facility would be some kind of composting or something that would be more environmentally friendly. So don't quote me on that, but you know, something good happening there. Buildings and energy, um, they're doing energy efficiency audits, electrification and solar studies for city buildings, participation in Clark PUD's new community solar east. So you can actually um, buy shares of solar. Yeah. And uh, yeah, foundation for few. <laughs> this is a, this is a phrase I have a problem with and I see a couple times on this PDF by the way foundation for future development Mm -hmm. so we're still saying we are going to be doing a lot of future development Um, and this says the green building policy process soon starts soon so that's the one that Kim Harless was concerned was not moving along fast enough Um, um, transportation and land use uh, R99 fuel replacing diesel and city vehicles this is a non-fossil vegetable oil-based fuel that yields a 75% reduction in emissions. Where can I get that shit? Uh, just city vehicles. Planning for EV infrastructure at city facilities. The transportation system plan, which we already referenced with the county. Um, and the comp plan updates underway are major drivers of long-term change, it says. So my one criticism here would be, it sounds like a lot of this stuff is is focused on just like what the city fleets are doing or what the city buildings are doing. Obviously, like that does seem like the first place you would start, but those aren't like big uh, widespread moves in my view. And also it basically says that, you know, the TSP and Complant up- updates, the one is the transportation one. So it sounds like all they're doing for transportation, according to this PDF, is doing EV infrastructure at city facilities and just city fleets having this like vegetable oil, um, natural systems, um, extra funding secured for early tree canopy planting and maintenance, expansion of nature spaces, pilot program, um, this says thanks to community advocacy. Um, again, foundation for future development. Mm. Update of the urban forestry management plan. A lot of this is just an overview. So um, Urban apologies. forestry better mean knocking down some buildings and putting in some forest. <laughs> yeah, it's like for future development. We're going to fuck some shit up, but then we're going to plant some trees. Um, oh, because that works. Yeah, yeah. So fuck. equity in the green economy, resilient emergency centers, protecting vulnerable, vulnerable residents. That sounds good. So probably during heat waves and stuff like that, they might have like cooling centers. Mm -hmm. I would imagine that's what that's about. Again, the youth climate leadership program that we already talked about. The green workforce development. Create local economic opportunity for the green energy transition. (laughs) I added that part at the end, but I would would be curious what those uh, jobs are. Yeah. And as far as resiliency, we going to talk about food? Okay. No, we're not, apparently. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> that was easy. <laughs> we want to talk about food. These but things I don't are see this so much this. simpler when you don't even have anything about it. Yeah I, yeah, I don't see this in this plan. I'm not saying that what is being done is not good. I, I, just, I have questions about things that are not uh, present in this mm-hmm. early action stuff at the same time that we see all this development happening so quickly around 
the city. Um, reduce employee vehicle trips. E-bike demo day. Com- commute trip reduction program. Great. Are those are those commutes going to be safe? Are we going to have barriers between mm-hmm. the bikes and the cars? I, I don't know. Um, environmental purchasing policy. I don't know what that is. Again, we will um, hopefully have a more in-depth interview about that. But those are... Oh, excuse me. There's also the Vancouver Climate Leadership Program. So there's going to be an ad- not just an, envir- an advisory panel, but actual capacity building um, group mm-hmm. of climate leaders that is also going to be launched in fall of 2024. So anyways. So that's not this fall, but the fall after that. No, I think it is. No, you're right. Wait, yeah. It's 2023 right now. Yeah. So yeah. that seems like a ways out. And two cycle phase out of uh, like city. Um, I think this has to do with leaf blowers, which are like crazy as far as the emissions they have. So that's like really cool that they're like phasing those out apparently. Um, so those that's that's in a very quick summary, their um, their early action package. So I'm not saying that those are bad. Those are all good things, right? Yeah. Hey guys, just wanted to jump in here for this segment of Philip and I's conversation because Stacy Dalgard was awesome and got back to me very quickly about um, some of the questions I had about that early action package. I just had a PDF and I did not see their full presentation on this package. Um, also, I had some questions that weren't exactly related to the, the early action package. Um, and more pertain to the climate action framework. So um, I was sent a very good uh, clarifying email with lots of details for us. So so first, Stacy wanted to clarify that the early action package was created before the, f- the full CAF um, was complete so that the city could start moving on clear community priorities that had broad support, um, which included adding staff capacity. So that's why Stacy was hired, as well as Rebecca Small. And so she said, now that the final CAF is in motion, the early action package has been incorporated into the CAF actions and our and their implementation approach is based on the priorities identified by council to reduce GHG emissions, protect vulnerable residents, demonstrate city leadership, and ensure a just transition. So first, I was talking about the wastewater solids program. It's not necessarily about composting but yes moving to a resource mindset so there's apparently many potential options for what to do with uh, that waste so that would be so in the wastewater sector they call it biosolids there are a range of quote products that fall under the umbrella of biosolids so this includes agricultural land application to finished garden soils uh, or compost products that could be used in a backyard. Some biosolid systems are also able to capture the methane produced during anaerobic digestion as another energy source. Stacy clarified that there will be community engagement around those options and climate impact and environmental health are major decision criteria for that. Uh, Another important note, uh, September 11th is going to be a city council workshop on this very subject. And so uh, another question I had asked was the the green building policy um it just said that it starts soon 
So Stacy says the city has just selected a consultant to lead the green, the green buildings policy process is expected to kick off in September. The green building policy will provide the direction for updates to the building code that will impact all new development in the city, including commercial residential and city buildings. It will also provide guidance on how the city should approach operations and maintenance slash energy upgrades to existing city facilities. Per direction from city council, we are making sure that the city is leading with our own facilities and processes throughout implementation of the CAF so that we're not asking the private sector to take steps that we aren't doing ourselves. Also, the Washington Clean Building Performance Standard affects existing commercial buildings above a certain size, and we are looking into ways that we can help Vancouver buildings, both private and city-owned, meet this standard as soon as possible. So that is great that existing buildings are getting upgrades but um once again my my criticism would be that we are even talking about new commercial development at all really i mean all of that requires fossil fuels degrading land all all of those things so once again seems to be not in line with the climate science it seems to be a business as usual mindset we're just going to make all the new development green green buildings once they're up and running. Um, and I said in Philip and I's conversation that the transport transportation system plan, the TSP, was was not going to be finished by 2025. That's what I had thought um, alongside the comp plan. Actually, that is not true. So that is good to hear. It's going to be finished sooner than that. Um, so I'll just read what uh, Stacy responded to here. So Active mobility infrastructure in the CAF. There are several actions outlined in the CAF targeting active mobility, including improved pedestrian infrastructure, transit ridership improvements, driving trip reduction for local schools, improved bicycle infrastructure, shared mobility options, and longer-term land use planning. Active mobility is a primary focus of the TSP, which will be adopted later this year, she says. This is the first update since 2004, includes new policies, programs, and projects to advance safety, equity, and climate via the city's transportation infrastructure over the next 20 years. So I would interject here to say that hopefully we will be having an interview with some members from Cycle Vancouver um, about their thoughts about what's going on with the TSP um, and how they feel and analyze what the city is doing uh, as far as active, active mobility infrastructure. Stacy notes um, many different projects that are going on as far as part of the Complete Streets program. Um, interesting note on green workforce development. There, um, it says there are also a number of actions in the CAF that have a workforce development layer to them. One of the things we're working on now, it says, is to start identifying how to increase the availability of contractors, including training and trades, to make the energy efficiency improvements needed in our building stock. This has been identified as a major barrier to moving forward on high GHG impact building improvements. We're still scoping out this area of work within our climate team, but there are many partners throughout the region working on more workforce and business development. Credec and other groups have also been sharing our climate action framework with prospective businesses. Environmental purchasing policy, that is something I had no clue what that meant, so Stacy clarified for us. This is an internal city policy regarding the purchase of local recycled environmentally preferred products 
and supporting local businesses that are using sustainable goods and services. In the past year, procurement has conducted research on best practices for municipal employee travel policies and sustainable purchasing policies. Um, One of the most interesting notes here, farmland and local food systems. This was a question I had about Um, Stacy says, there are a couple actions in the CAF regarding local food systems and partnerships to expand carbon sequestration potential on public and private lands, but I don't think either directly address what you're talking about. This might be something that could be raised as a topic for discussion in the ongoing comprehensive plan work. So I will note on that, obviously, most of the, the available space and farmland is going to be in the county, so, um, those issues would be best raised, I believe, with the county council. Stacy says, as a final note, the CAF will go through an update in 2026, and that will be a time to examine how well it is accomplishing all of our community priorities or if other goals need to be elevated. Some of the things that are not addressed specifically in the CAF currently, e.g. ag lands, could potentially be reevaluated in that update process as well. Back to your regularly scheduled programming. And those people are good people. Rebecca Small and uh, Stacy Dalgard and all those people who designed, they're doing good work. Mm-hmm. But when we look at, there's, there's segments of the city that are doing things that are completely contradictory to the work that's being done there. Um, but recently, one of the biggest things, which I think I touched on a tiny bit when we talked about Kim Harless, is the Vancouver City Council's choice, as I understand it, to compromise with corporate interests in amending the floor space threshold for the warehouse moratorium from 100,000 to 250,000 square feet, which is why we have all these lovely new warehouses, <laughs> one of which will be an Amazon with electric trucks, all over the fucking place, Woo. popping up everywhere, right? You've all seen it. Well, you know, I, if we have a massive Amazon warehouse, the electric trucks won't have to travel to far, as far to give me my shit. Exactly. It's yeah. good for the environment. Yes, <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. Don't worry about how that shit got to the warehouse, but yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, it just, they grow it right there. <laughs> it's fucking magic, all right? That's bad. Jeff Bezos is a wizard. He just pops by and yeah. makes all your plastic shit with yes, a wave of his hand. Are, Geniuses and and magicians on top of it. Um, So, yeah, so we've mentioned this before. Warehouses are known to yield few actual long-term jobs for the amount of land they destroy and the space that they take up. So that's why there was a moratorium in the first place. It was like, hold up, let's stop accepting all these. Yeah, before we run out of land to put, like, it's just warehouses from sea to shining sea exactly exactly so like let's hold up do some research because we have some indication that this actually isn't a good idea but then they they did cave this conversation is more nuanced because like on the county i feel like there's like straight up villains you know or people that are just like blow your mind with like the way that they fucking think right but the city, it's like, yeah, gen- generally right. a lot of well-meaning people, but we're Who not getting know the... what they're doing to a larger extent than the county. Um, and so an example of this is going to be the contradiction between what the city wants to do and what it's doing is Visit Vancouver. Oh, my God. I forgot about Visit <laughs> Vancouver. <laughs> Visit. I do want to start by saying Visit Vancouver was actually pointed out to me by a, by 
a friend of mine, shout out Brianna, let me know if you want me to undox you later. Um, <laughs> otherwise, <laughs> because I, I honestly would not have like paid attention to this at all. So uh, Visit Vancouver is a nonprofit marketing company paid for by public First of all, nonprofit marketing company. Okay. Uh, paid for by public tax dollars that is tasked with aggressively growing our tourism industry. Ooh. So, could you. I always do these fucking questions for you, Philip. Could you ponder, like, what what is the primary I, component of tourism? Well, I mean, obviously, just. It's it's people. We want a big old influx of people to come spend their money in beautiful Vancouver. And how do they get here? Why they well they don't walk. Probably take. I'm, I'm gonna guess a lot of them are just gonna hop on a plane and get right over to. Yes. To where we are. Yes. From, it's a big country. Yeah. You gotta and, travel. And trying to harken back, I know it's hard, people. But we are in a climate emergency. Remember everything that we told you. Remember everything that you're seeing about the climate crisis. Airplanes are the most unnecessary form of travel and the most, one of the most polluting (laughs) things to do that is completely unnecessary. Um, Come visit Vancouver, the only place in the Pacific Northwest not currently on fire. Yeah, yeah, right, right. Yeah, fly in, fly out. You're good, baby. Um, <laughs> yeah, you you just go over the flames. Yeah, exactly, right. So anyways, just, just thinking about that. So we have this climate, climate action framework, 80% emissions reductions by 2040 inside of Vancouver. But everything to get here doesn't count? Is that is that what we're doing here? Yeah, that seems to be exactly what we're doing here. Because, of course, like there's this... It, it, there's nothing connected at all. Like Vancouver is a completely separate entity from the entire rest of the world. Like <laughs> nothing out there counts. Yeah, no, none of those like, count. If we get our emissions like locked down, it's going to be fine. Then, our little our little paradise will remain a paradise. Everything else has to worry about itself. But if they don't, you know, everything will be burning, but we'll be fine because we cut down our emissions. Yeah. Any emissions we openly encourage elsewhere to get here don't count apparently according to Visit Vancouver, and actually Visit Vancouver says nothing about the, about climate change, which is really shocking to me because they actually had like recent um, meetings on this. Like, it's just crazy. It's as if, you know, it's kind of like the U.S. military just operates outside of emissions goals and we just pretend they don't exist. But that's for another episode. Um, anyways, <laughs> so... So many um, episodes. Yeah, so this is a tourism expansion effort funded by lodging taxes... Um, so the taxes from the lodging that that already happens and exists here, right? So that those taxes are accumulated, and yeah, and then they are they're going back into promoting growing more tourism. So, so yeah, wait a minute, why is this even a fucking thing? Like who who made this a fucking thing? I don't know. Honestly, I feel like a lot of cities just have that where like they're like tourist destination and they have an Instagram and they have all their shit. Yeah, but usually like usually that's a website nobody even knows exists. Yeah, I mean there's bigger and smaller ones. I mean, this is a, this is an aggressive and tourism you, growth operation. Use the word is, aggressive. I'm using the word aggressive. Okay, they actually you, okay, didn't. Okay. Um but 
everything indicates. I, I feel to me like that that's it, it. Feels like the vibe that that's a word they would actually use in a positive light. Well, yeah, and yeah, I mean they they use plenty of words that that indicate that this is an aggressive operation trying to so, grow. The where, tourism industry. Where other places are are satisfied to rest on our laurels, we are actively courting, like, trying to get people and businesses and whatever the fuck else in here. Yes, we're trying to... Yeah, we're trying to grow that economy. Right. Definitely, endless, yeah. Endless expansion. Yep. And so, yeah, this... As we just said, this endeavor is massively promoting the use of fossil fuels in a business-as-usual mindset, operating in complete denial of what the science is telling us, and weirdly not even considering in its own future project projections that climate disasters in our own area might happen at all, that they might hinder the growth of the tourist economy. It's as if it is operating outside of that reality. So um, just quickly, I'll go through this. So the Vis Visit Vancouver's board of directors consists of 14 people, seven of them, seven of them being heads of hotel chains. Oh, well, Hilton fully, and fully such. half. Yeah, one of them from the Evergreen Hospitality Development Group, which sounds to me like well, a special you know, interest group for hotel yeah, chains. Here's, here's the thing, because, you know, the builders want to build stuff, so you build a hotel, and then you got to fill that hotel with a whole bunch of people. Yes. It just, it all works out. It, 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 it's this, they're the experts, Philip. They're the experts. Okay. <laughs> like, that's fucking commodifying everything for their own profit. Oh, yeah. Oh, that was a good word to use. We're getting <laughs> that was a good word to use, actually. There, Philip. So I think yeah. "fucking" is a great word. No, no. <laughs> well, I was saying, "Hey, fucking" is a great word, but "commodifying" was the word I was going to use. Uh, so, no, I'm fully aware. <laughs> anyways, yeah. So one being Cliff Myers, the main visit Vancouver guy. He's the president and CEO. Teresa Brum, who's the economic development manager for the city. One dude from the Vancouver's farmer, the Vancouver Farmers Market. One coffee roaster, Jenny Sandstrom from the Business and Hospitality Management Department of WSU Vancouver. Wait, wait. There's like a pattern here. Yes. I'm having a hard time seeing it. But the but last one. Feels like it's there. Yes, yes. <laughs> and But they're the experts. Feels like it's very subtle, but it feels like it's there. They're the experts, huh. Philip. Okay. And Clark County Council Member Sue Marshall. Not going to comment wait, on that one yet. Wait a minute. <laughs> wait a minute. Which of these things is not like the other? Yeah. Which of these things just isn't the same? The fuck is I okay. Spy, I'll yeah. I'll let you get to that in its own good time. I just <laughs> it caught me off guard. Yeah, we 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 will get there though. Um, but just like a, as an overview, so one point two four million dollars in twenty twenty two was raised from taxing lodging from the hotel industry that we already have. Like I said, and then the seven hundred thousand dollars of that from twenty twenty two. So in one year, um, instead of going back to the community is funding promotion of more tourism. So I've compiled some of the highlights from the recent Visit Vancouver presentations to the council, to both councils, actually, the Clark and the, um, the Vancouver, the Visit Vancouver 2023 annual tourism report and the Visit Vancouver Instagram. And what I'm focused on highlighting here is the complete disregard for the environmental impacts of travel, the encouragement of the dirtiest travel, mm -hmm. the encouragement for people to move here. Mm -hmm. um, we all know felt full well that anyone that can move here must be wealthy already yeah. or they should prepare to fucking struggle. 
and <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> and an visit endless... our beautiful homeless camps because yes. this you you too could be a part of our <laughs> our wonderful homeless population is probably not something they're they're going for yes exactly and an endless growth mindset that completely disregards i think i already said disregards our environment and exploits our beautiful home that is completely antithetical to the goals of the city of vancouver's climate action frame framework so yeah, this is a that's obscene. Yeah. Honestly, I I can't think of a better word for it. Yeah, there. So I'm gonna go through these pointers uh, for you, Philip. So uh, first, one of the most disturbing pieces of commentary uh, by the Visit Vancouver guy. I forget what his name. Cliff Myers already. Yeah, Cliff Myers. Um, at a recent Clark County Council presentation, details how the Uber drivers that peep, pick people up from the airport, um, as we already said. Most carbon intensive and unnecessary forms of travel, especially for vacation of all things when we're in a literal emergency. So these Uber drivers, um, according to Cliff Myers, are on the front lines of selling how awesome Vancouver is and that this uh, group uh, that visit Vancouver would be working with those people, those uh, Uber drivers, those hosts, those frontline hospitality uh, workers, um, working with those people to make sure that they're jazzing people ab- up about where to go <laughs> and the- how to spend their money on vacation here in hip-ass Vancouver. So I, I, um, I wonder if that I'm conversation's going to include anything like offering them a livable wage. <laughs> I was about to say. Like, <laughs> or any you, workers' are, rights. Are you aware of what an Uber. Uber driver is, my friend? Yeah. My guy, you're a little, little out of touch Yeah, there. and he says some shit, too. He's like, He's like, you can tell when you get in the car with that Uber driver, like if they're in a crabby mood or if they really love where they live. It's like, mm, yeah, of course they're going to be in a crabby their, mood because they're a fucking Uber driver. Yeah, might have to do with their fucking material conditions, Seriously. buddy. And we all know what fucking class you come from. Yeah, no, they're going to like advertise <laughs> your upscale bullshit with a smile on their face that they could never like. Yeah, I mean, just one, just one day you too, little Uber driver, could live in. Like this paradise that Visit Vancouver is. Yeah, imagine like together. having like cro- like people from Visit Vancouver it, it, coming out, like talking to you, like, "Hey, we're gonna need you to the up your uh, your Vancouver fucking yeah, you, you don't tourism look- <laughs> knowledge game or whatever." It's like, uh, am I gonna get a raise for that? Seriously, uh, f- no, fuck off. Like, so, anyways, yeah, just like how sick is this? The city is positioning itself to become a become a tourist destination for let's face it wealthy whites to enjoy our local environment (laughs) while destroying our local environment hey this air is merely unhealthy this is so much better than anywhere else yes as we grow the industries of chronically underpaid hospitality work and gig work. Oh my god. Oh my that's, god. Like fucking Yeah. So it's that's the plan. layers of awful on layers of awful. Whose plan is that? Did you plan that? Did I was there a vote? <laughs> was there a vote on we were just gonna pivot toward I, we're I, becoming this ridiculous tourist destination and pretending that climate well, change like, isn't I had, happening? I had no idea any of this was happening before like you got tipped off and told me. Yeah. So it's like, it's not like. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. Like how, how is this activity in line with the climate action framework? Like it's, so how are we going to reduce emissions while simultaneously promoting and incentivizing emissions? I I mean, it's literally like fucking one step forward, two steps back. It's completely fantastical thinking. It's insane. Um, Or maybe even three steps back. Like fucking. yeah, and so the good work of Rebecca Small and Stacy Dalgard and uh, and other people at the city, 
um, who are actually working to reduce right. in real it life being emissions undermined in the name of profit yeah. and they can call they can call themselves non-profit as much as they fucking like but at the bottom of this it's all about the fucking money yeah they're a mar- they're a marketing company yes exactly yeah and so clearly they're not they're just not subject to the climate action framework it's it's very clear as we go through all this that that's a fucking no one, huge problem yeah it's super weird it's just a glaring um contradiction once again so um, yeah, once again, just because those emissions don't start in Vancouver doesn't mean they don't count. Um, <laughs> so here's some of the stuff from, again, their report, their annual report, uh, council meeting presentation, um, Instagram account. So a breakdown of Clark County 2021 destination spending by commodity. Oh, hey. I said the word commodity. One of those quote unquote commodities being transportation. You know the thing what? we shouldn't be fucking promoting? That's actually a commodity. Oh. And oh, one of them being retail. Wonderful. Retail. Um, yeah. So get ready for more expansion of strip malls, people. Hell yeah. Um, a happy note about... Maybe we get some of those outlets they have at the beach. Uh, a happy note... <laughs> <laughs> we'll be the beach sooner or later. Uh, yeah. <laughs> also... Included in their annual report was a happy note about how now that the pandemic is over, we've shown, quote, improvement in bookings for conventions and group business. Remember, this kind of shit is the worst because what the pandemic showed us is that most of this business can be done virtually and should have stayed that way. But instead, this group, Visit Visit Vancouver is promoting the return to flying people out for a couple day convention where they stay in a hotel. To say. Yeah, stay in a hotel for a couple days, have to wash an entire bed set after they sleep in it for just a couple nights. Uh, yeah, it, abhorrent, it, completely it, wasteful. It, 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 I mean, fucking... I lost my job recently, so I am unemployed. So I am out on the road at weird times, and there's never not way too much traffic. There is traffic at times where it's like, why the fuck are these people not at work? And like, how much of that traffic could we get rid of if people didn't have to physically go into their locations if there wasn't this bizarre push that everyone's got to return to return to the office which is all weirdly about power it's like how does this have to do like i'm pretty sure they've already shown people can be just as productive if not more productive at home it's and especially these business conventions it's like they're just like a fucking a show right yeah wind back to 2020 during the height of the pandemic like when that was a really fucking scary pervasive thing and nobody was leaving their households. I had a job in like, I was, I was moving fucking shit around. I had to be physically in the warehouse. It was, it was like the company was good at like keeping us all at distance. Like I had space. I never felt unsafe, but I was driving out on the roads during times, which are now just cluttered with cars and there were nobody, there was nobody we can do. We can absolutely exist like this. People shouldn't be forced to go out to work unless you're in very specific lines of work. And most of us are not in those lines of work. Like, yeah. And we could like any walk and go out and hang out with, with people on our free time. Not when we want to, not when we're fucking working, you know, seriously fucking it's obscene. It's like this fucking cancerous, like, there's no like you said there's no reason for it other than the show of power like the bosses want to be the bosses they want to fucking get yeah. you into your office and well and in this case it's like and another in, industry the hospitality industry right. is making money off of these 
conventions. Right, that the conventions have to exist because the hospitality industry is making money. Off. Exactly, like, exactly. It's just like a sick. Like you said, a cancer, a cancer, and we're we're like that's good. It's jobs. Oh, and then we'll get tax revenue, and yeah, it's it's we have to combat this ideology. It is just out of control. So um, yeah. Anyways, that's what visit Vancouver as an arm of Vancouver, working with the county and Vancouver, and paid for by tax dollars, is doing. Where was the vote? Who agreed that we were going to be a tourist economy? Most people are unhappy that our population numbers are growing. I'm not like a fucking isolationist or what. Like, I just don't think we should be promoting growth. We already know we're going to have climate migrants. Mm -hmm. We already know we're going to be like population growth. Yes. Smart planning. That's good. But this is promoting growth and promoting tourism. This isn't planning for shit. This is like we're going to make it. We're just going to make it even more so. Yeah. And this is promoting gentrification, too. Yeah. Um, Which is something we definitely need more of around here. <laughs> yeah. That's not already I, happening. I'm yeah, just, exactly. I'm, I'm, I'm just like, we have a severe lack of rich white people. I just, I think, <laughs> I don't know. It's a crisis. It's a crisis, Carissa. I know, man. Not, and they don't have enough. They don't have, they're not being listened listen to enough. They are not being listened to enough. They're the, the experts. Yeah. No. <laughs> the poor. The poor building industry. Hardly anyone <laughs> listens to the poor building industry except for that one heroic county counselor. Who's name? Uh, fucking John Blom. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> the other one. <laughs> so, anyways, okay. Re- just I with everything that we're talking about here. Remember, we're in a climate emergency. Peter Kalmus threatening billions of lives on earth yeah and this is what we are doing like we have to remember that because it's easy for us to be like we have to get like as many of those billions of lives as possible into hotels and conventions before there's on those planes while we still can so we can grow and and get jobs seriously like let's get the money while we can and then (laughs) like because we we can fill up the hotels now, so we should absolutely build the hotels and fill them up and make money before everyone dies. Yeah, don't worry about what happens. Don't worry, don't, exactly. worry about, don't worry about that. It's going to be a big fucking party. We're going <laughs> to serve you cocktails. Anyways, <laughs> sometimes I wonder if like I'm going to get fired for doing this podcast one day. But anyways, I've, I've not revealed where I work. And that's why you should like <laughs> go to our Patreon and give Carissa five bucks so for when her bosses can't her. <laughs> Okay, so anyways, getting back join, to... Join the ranks of the unemployed, Carissa. Yeah. Getting, <laughs> okay, getting back to the... Um, yeah, visit Vancouver's goals on their annual report, their their meetings, whatever. So under their section on airport advertising efforts, they state that, quote, coming... Sim- a similar sentiment, but coming out of the, the pandemic, it was important for us to target people willing to travel, a.k.a. people who are ignorant or uncaring about the climate emergency. <laughs> I would uh, interject there, noting that they placed ads in both Portland and SeaTac airports. Um, more on promoting airplane travel. Their Instagram promotes how yeah. easy it is to travel from the Portland airport yeah. to Vancouver. Once you fly into Portland, it's so easy to no, go across n- the bridge. I, I just a thought I had while I'm having it because nobody thinks about airplane emissions. They should. They I mean, should, I but they I always don't. Yeah, I yeah. And it's I think it's because like you can see airplanes go on and take off and they're not like spewing huge jets of black smoke or anything. So 
I mean, neither is a car, really, when you see it down the road. I mean, this exactly. Is, this is true, but I'm just saying that's a it, big it doesn't, issue with it doesn't all this. It clock as a massive polluter, even though it is a massive polluter. Um, okay, yeah. So the promoting airplane travel thing. So, yeah. So, oh, it's so easy to come from PDX, PDX to Vancouver. Um, so they're actively asking people, again, to burn intense and unnecessary levels of fossil fuels for a visit. Peter Kalmus again. He recommends that we we end the airline industry at least, like definitely private jets first of all. Oh, uh, private fuck you, jets Taylor are... Swift, by the way, um, for your fi- for oh your my God. Uh, private jet. I, I shit. forgot private jets but... <laughs> were even a thing. <laughs> but Nobody yeah, should. I airline... don't care how much money you have. You should not have a, access to a private jet. No. Yeah. That's. I mean, I can't believe that we're at this stage. And we have not banned those. But yeah, air, airplane travel in general, it's mostly unnecessary. It's just going to take you longer on a train. And a lot of it is is for leisure, for recreation, mm-hmm. for wealthy whites, once we, again. <laughs> yeah, we, I, I was going to say, we all do need leisure. We all do need recreation because we work in a hellscape. But there are ways but to do it. there are ways to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, we don't. Yeah. And not all of us can be jet setting wealthy whites. Yeah. And especially here, we live in a, a beautiful region that um, there's plenty of... We're working on it. <laughs> we were, we're working on changing yeah. that into a not beautiful region. Yeah, it might... Yeah. Oh, we're, I mean, we're, at we're least working for now. on a beautiful, like, fire-blasted warehouse hellscape. Yeah. Come to the Pacific Northwest, see the warehouses. But anyways, <laughs> uh, Visit Vancouver celebrates five new hotels. Oh, Wow. What okay. hellscape? Ignore I, that I hellscape. Will, I will. <laughs> Five new hotels, 60% it, uh, are now open, 20% in construction, oh, 20% this pending. Is, this is, so this is within Vancouver. Yep. Why does a city need five new hotels? Because we're growing that industry. Oh. We're, yeah. Jobs, that, jobs, jobs. Jobs, what? Okay, so. Good jobs, no. But they're just, they're just, they're just, just, just. Commodifying it, it, people. Yeah, it get oh damn, you're like you're doing some weird shit right now, Philip. You're doing like a a, a you're like <laughs> commodifying <laughs> the, the tell workers, okay, commodifying well, you said the guests. commodifying people. So the next thing I was gonna say, uh notes that they hosted nine <laughs> influencers and oh. travel writers, influencers oh, no. and oh, travel no. writers to create positive digital content about the city. So they're literally paying social media influencers for a good review. They're disclosed as paid partnerships on Instagram. So openly disclosed as paid partnerships. And then in this report, they're saying like, yeah, we paid these people. Uh, But don't worry, Philip, because that was diverse digital content because they hosted the traveling while black couple. You know about these people? I don't. I've never heard about those They're black and they're traveling. (laughs) They're black and they travel. Okay, cool. (laughs) So it's diverse digital content and we care about equity. I should should note here that it's BIPOC and poor white communities that have always been targeted for polluted, polluting industrial activity and as such are currently on the front lines of the climate crisis. But hey. All you got to do is travel. Travel black. Yeah. All you got to do is travel. You're yeah. black, obviously. You get can, out you of can that travel. polluted neighborhood, buddy. Yeah. yeah, seriously. Get on a plane. Do, a, do, a, do whatever these people are doing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. Obviously, it's equivalent. <laughs> they are committed to equity. How dare you? 
Their Instagram also promotes how Vancouver was anointed as being one of the most livable cities in Washington. I saw Yay, an article livable for about who that. exactly? Yeah, no, like yeah. fucking Portland came in number one. This particular article I saw today, Portland came in number one as far as like no, it wasn't even livable. It was like the it was clickbaity bullshit. It was like the coolest cities in the the US and like Portland was at number one, Vancouver was at number ten. You know, we yeah. had some other big names not from around here in the middle, like fucking I remember Austin. Um, Texas was somewhere in between. And it's like, what the fuck? Like who is who is making these kind of a list and like Based on what we're talking about tonight, all of a sudden it makes more sense. And why is Visit Vancouver promoting that? That it's a livable city. So not only come here to visit, but come here to stay. Get that waterfront condo. Yeah. Go drink that wine. Oh, seriously. Yeah. Push push everybody like fucking... Yeah, we, we've and got, we'll serve we you those have, cocktails. We have exclusive <laughs> limited spaces where there aren't warehouses. <laughs> you should come live there. While it's like this, this, this is so premium. Yeah, before they all before they all the, burst in flames or go into the sea or whatever the fuck's gonna happen. Seriously, you'll be the envy of all your friends who have to like work in the warehouses during the day and sleep in the alley during the night. <laughs> <laughs> another another dark humor podcast. So the 2023 report finishes with, quote, there is great potential for continued growth in attracting visitors from all around the nation. All around the nation. How, like, we are living in a different world, but, and we're, like, used to this old one, and we're trying to, like, pull everybody out of this. Like, I get that, because if you go to the Visit Vancouver Instagram, um, Parts of it seem harmless. Like, I have a lot of friends that I follow Visit Vancouver, actually. Um, You know, before I knew about the dark side. Uh, But, so, yeah, most of it is, like, where to get a nice beer around town, or here's a fun event, or here's a picture of Molten Falls or Beacon Rock or some Mm -hmm. shit. So it seems innocent, right? Yeah. The problem is, is that it's not, like, a fun account for community members to enjoy an outing or that promotes exclusively like sustainable ways of getting around. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a promotional tool again for tourism and for inviting more population growth yep. that we should yep. not be promoting if we're being responsible. Yep. Um, and it's actively promoting gentrification because yeah. of everything we just noted. I, I mean, like the locals could enjoy our trails, but they don't pay to stay in hotels. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. And promoting heavy fossil fuel usage, for leisure as life on earth mm-hmm. itself is being threatened right now as so we're get it while you can come into these tipping points. Exactly. It's, I mean, it's, it's, it's fucked up. It seems innocent if you are trapped in this old way of thinking, but it is, it, it this is not the direction that we should be going. No, and again, it, it, who asked for this? It's deeply nefarious. Like it just seems to be there and like fucking, I want to know where it came from. I want to know who like is pushing so hard for this that it got to this level of aggressive like promotion. I I said earlier I think it's seven hundred thousand dollars in twenty twenty two. So you mm-hmm. know presumably a year of public money. Yeah. Um. So I don't know that that's a whole lot in the grand scheme of things, but we do have a whole lot of fucking problems. And, fucking climate change being mm-hmm. one of them. Um, you know, yet we're spending money on this shit. That's a lot of money. 
Yeah, it is, I have it's a million a ideas. Of, I don't I'm care sure you if do it's not a lot do. of money on the scale of millions or billions. That is a lot of money. It's a lot of public money that it's could a go lot to of something else. Money exactly. that could go to like fucking actually improving like our cities, so they are actually are livable instead of like just shipping in a bunch of tourists to grind through the money machine. Yeah, or a bunch of wealthy whites to go live in those new big homes in Ridgefield. Oh, of course. Drink wine you, at the you, new culturalist waterfront restaurants. Now you got to fill the mansions. Yes, this exactly. Is not, it's not there's not a need that's being addressed here. This is the building industry just building mansions. Hey, but they're the experts. If they, they build okay. the mansions, then we get we have to pay less, right? Yeah. So yeah, anyways, okay. Uh you know, we're creating this this industry that mostly creates. It's in service of like these these wealthy people that are co- going to come in to gentrify us. Mm-hmm. The local working class will serve them. Uh, we will pay insane levels of rent. We have no hopes of buying a home, and we're supposed to be. I don't know. I guess grateful for the economic development. I mean, that's the that's the message, right? Yep. Um, during an existential emergency. Yep. So who I, wants we will, this? We will be able to slave away at our low-paying jobs as everything burns. And yeah. what else would you want? Um, I did want to say the Visit Vancouver report notes that the Portland Monthly and the AAA Western Journey highlighted the Chalachi Prairie Scenic Train Ride in their magazines. Oh, my um, God. It's currently a passenger train. Is, that, is, is this just all connected? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> is this just one massive yeah. like ball of yarn conspiracy yeah. to like make our lives shit? Yeah. So Did this, Eric Temple pay to have Visit Vancouver be a thing? I don't know, man. Yeah. It's a fucking conspiracy, bro. I, I'm sorry. Go on. I was just so surprised you said Chalachi. No, totally. Railroad. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, there's, there's at least a good point to be made here. So currently it's a passenger train that runs through the rural areas of Clark, Clark County um rarely but it does um so my question would be you know we're trying to do this industrial or eric temple and the county are trying to do this industrial activity on it uh reminder it's our public railroad um so i think we should have a say in what happens to it why don't we use our public railroad this is just my idea it seems pretty basic um for sustainable travel for the members of our community around the county we could get cars off the road um, while residents of Clark County enjoy fun day trips to our farms and rural towns and enjoy nature without burning fossil fuels. Um, so I don't know. That's just a, a use for that railroad that makes sense. And yeah, anyways, we, we know the answer to why uh, that won't be happening, right? <laughs> Even if it's a good <laughs> idea. So anyways, related to that, the Visit Vancouver presentation to the Clark County Council suggested an idea about working with CTRAN to get people who don't have cars out to the wildlife refuges and, you know, other nature spots, right? Which are really nice spots to be. like. Yeah, but what they present it as is not as a an emission reduction effort. Mm. It's just, hey, how do we get more people who are visiting Vancouver so... out... If they don't have cars, how else can we get them out there? It's right. not like, so, oh, how can we it. get members of the community to not use their cars to go it's, to these places right. and use a sustainable mes- method of travel? Once again, it's promoting it's, growth so It's not about reducing cars. It's about packing as many people as you can to this destination site. Exactly. So it's Fuck. like... Yeah. So it's like, oh, good idea, but it's not, in, it's not being utilized in the way that that good idea should be. 
utilized for because we are in a consumptive, ever-expanding, extractive, capitalistic mindset. So um, anyways, yeah, why can't we have that for our community? Uh, why can't we use have CTRAN and, uh, you know, sustainable travel on our public railroad for us, for our community and not for a tourist industry? <sighs> yeah, uh, another comment about the... Visit Vancouver Master Plan presentation is that Gary Medvigie's comments. Um, he was complaining about how Vancouver Lake is not attracting international rowing conve conventions. How we are missing opportunities because of the problems with Vancouver Lake that he so uh, heroically is trying to solve. Again, just a be complete bewildering absence of discussion or understanding of how making the climate crisis worse all will affect the lake. And just pretty grossly discussing the lake and basically everything as we've gone through here as a commodity that could make us, mm -hmm. us meaning someone else, money, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so. I um, mean, I'm white enough. I'm just not rich enough. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I meet half the qualifications of their target audience, but, you know. We have some of the privilege, but not all. Not all. Um, and then this gets me to that that long ago gripe I mentioned about Sue Marshall. Oh, I forgot! Like yes. that that shocking twist that we completely ignored. Not to disparage Sue Marshall as a human or a great environmental advocate. This is a uh, a disagreement that I have personally, at least. So um, her comments at this meeting by Visit Vancouver. And she is on the board of Visit Vancouver now. Now, Karen Bowerman was on the board of Va Visit Vancouver. I mean, so I'm sure as fuck glad that that's Sue Marshall a step up, is. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, I'm sure she's in her own way trying to advocate for the best. But um, she does talk about attracting businesses, uh, developing the center, um, attracting people out to the rural counties. I know there's talk about making farms places for holding weddings and other events so they can generate more income. Which I'm guessing she's an advocate for as a farmer representing a rural district. Um, but if there's, again, there's no sustainable way for people to get there. We're attracting people from out of town to do these things, not like a, you know, a local economy, circular economy uh, model. There, yeah, and we're not, you know, we're not advocating for C-Tran or a train to go out there. I think she does advocate for C-Tran, but either way, you know what I mean? She, she is definitely trying to attract like business to those rural uh, areas, which of course makes sense in the old school way of doing things. Right. So she, she is advocating in this sense for extractive growth because that's what visit Vancouver is doing. She's uh, she's looking to grow agritourism as they call it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I disagree with her on this. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that she thinks there's a way to do this in an environmentally friendly manner. Um, I think there is a way to a, a degree, but not if you're inviting people to fly here once yeah. again to do this bullshit. So, um, so yeah, sure, bus access to rural areas is a great idea, but this aggressive expansion of tourism and welcoming of new business development is in denial of what the science is telling us once again and what these disaster events are telling us and the reality that we're living in. Mm -hmm. I don't like it. You don't like it, mm -hmm. but it is reality. Yeah. 
Um, so I just cannot stress that enough. Emissions matter and they are destroying all these places that we are so prideful about. Like I said, again, we need a circular local economy that's focused on degrowth and a community sustaining itself, not exploiting our natural resources by encouraging dirty tourism and more development, Yeah, which is what Visit Vancouver's goals are. This endless growth belief system. Um, the low-hanging fruit here, I think, is to stamp, call out the climate deniers like we have on this episode, continue calling them out, um, call out the delay, call out the contradictions. Um, we're not going to solve these problems by refusing to use the words climate change mm-hmm. um, or ecocide, you know, playing the game, like like seeding seed- ground to the to the right wing who denies climate change is not going to like help us advance our goals of climate change. We're that you're not setting the agenda. You're not moving the Overton window. You're, you're being on the defensive. You're not going on the offensive to say, Hey motherfucker, you don't believe science. Yeah. Yeah. Or we have to sweet talk our, our local officials and, and talk about things that like, just like trick them basically into pretending we're not climate activists. I mean, I think that's ridiculous. I, one of the biggest things that I will say about the local environmental movement. And once again, I've said these things, nobody listens to me is educating our local officials on the climate crisis. Because once again, if we're just saying, climate change, climate change, climate change, but we're not like literally laying out. Mm-hmm. Um, this is how bad it is. This is what the scientists are saying. This is what the consensus is. These motherfuckers, half of them are listening to Fox News. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the other, like, it's not like CNN or any other fucking media station is like covering climate change well either. So I'm not just singling out Fox News, honestly. But... You know what I mean? Like we, I, I think that we need to start from that place, which is why we started from that place with this this mm-hmm. series is just like discussing the science, discussing what's happening, right. discussing what it all means because we can say climate change, but I think as you said on the last episode, it kind of just gets it, watered it, down and it's background well, noise. It, it already is a watered down term. And then at this point, it's become so commonplace that yes, it just becomes like, it's a thing you say, not a thing you listen to. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's, it's meaningless. You repeat a word often enough, it becomes meaningless. Yeah, you say it to justify your population projections pick. <laughs> God damn. Asking that they acknowledge, acknowledge the science, referring to the science, mm-hmm. not just saying, will you do, a cl- do this to do climate action or whatever. Like actually having these deep conversations with them, I think um, is something that's missing Um, But if they want to continue denying science, we don't have to be nice about it. Mm -hmm. They are our public servants, as Sydney would say. Uh, We're the public. Yes. We're the motherfucking public, you motherfuckers. Yes. And polite politics are the tools of the oppressor. It only helps to seed ground and run cover for them. Um, I really think that that is what we're missing right now which hopefully we're filling that void right now (laughs) we are putting our local officials on blast don't run cover for them our lives are literally on the line here